Hello and welcome to Geek Space 9, the Tuscan Shed Media Network where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series Deep Space 9. With me as always is Peter Dency. How are you, Peter? I'm good, and thanks to the space heater in my room, I'm actually like toasty for once. <laughs> Hooray! Right. I mean like gr- I mean granted, you know. I'm in Texas, so I can't really speak to having a legit winter to all of our, you know, all, all of our listeners who happen, who, who are in, like, the northern part of our country. But, you know, still, I can't handle I'll cold say, weather. Though, it's, it's 41 degrees in Fort Worth right now, so it's not warm. Yeah, it's definitely not warm. At, no, I was wrong. My phone reset. It's 34 degrees in Fort Worth. Wow. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, that, that's a legit, yeah. like, 13, like, 13, 14 degrees uh, colder than it is here it's like about 47 wow. 46 so you know i mean that being said on sunday we have an expected high of 74 so texas right. just hasn't made up its fucking mind yet yeah and well, i'm still in the 60s because i live in california Fuck you. <laughs> oh shut up no i don't i wanted to be cold i'm tired i wanted to be cold i'm jelly <laughs> 60s is like my perfect weather because it's just cold enough that I can wear warm weather clothes or uh, warmer clothes for cold weather, which I look much cuter in. Right. Um, but it's not like Baltic outside either. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair yeah. Enough. All right. Well, this. Oh, and we also, of course, are joined by Sarah Becker. And I'm Sarah, <laughs> the one <laughs> speaking about the cold and, you know. I forgot that it introduced I'm always you. in my cuticles. It's fine. <laughs> This is my new favorite phrase. I bought a cuticle ointment today, and so I keep talking about moistening <laughs> my cuticles. You're gonna make all Bobby, of our listeners if you're turn off. That was specifically for you. That was specifically. And that was without even a single drop of wine. <clears throat> all right. So this week we saw season three, episode three, and episode four, which is the House of Quark and Equilibrium. So first up is House of Quark. In this episode, after complaining to Rom about dwindling business, Quark tries to settle up a tab from a drunk and belligerent Klingon named Kozak. The Klingon pulls a knife on Quark, but in his drunken stupor, he falls on his own blade and dies. Quark, in order to get more people into the bar, lies to Odo that he killed Kozak in an epic duel. However, Quark's lie backfires when another Klingon named Dagor arrives, claiming to be Kozak's brother. Quark admits the truth, but this actually enrages the Klingon, who says that if Kozak died dishonorably, he would shame their house. So Quark goes back to his lie. However, another Klingon, this time Kozak's widow, Grilka, appears to Quark. She challenges him with a knife, and Quark cowers. This reveals to Grilka that Quark is a liar, and she abducts him to Kronos. There, she reveals to Quark that since Kozak's death was ruled honorable, then her house will be dissolved, since there's no male heir, and her lands will be seized by Dagor, who is a rival who is actually a rival house owner who wishes to seize power. To stop this, Grilka marries Quark, making him the official owner of the House of Quark. <laughs> After some <laughs> lovely banter, Grilka agrees to let Quark do things the Ferengi way. Quark learns Dagor has been destroying Kozak's house financially for years, a shameful act for the Klingons. When Quark reveals this to Chancellor Goron, Dagor challenges Quark to a duel to a death. Quark considers leaving, but arrives for the duel. However, Quark throws down his weapon and challenges Dagor to kill him unarmed, which would be considered dishonorable. <clears throat> Dagor is about to strike, but Goron stops, and in his disgust, he shames Dagor, who is kicked out of the council. 
Gaoran is convinced that Groka deserves special dispensation and is allowed to rule her house. Groka, pleased with Quark's special form of bravery, tells him he can ask for anything he wants, to which Quark responds, a divorce. Groka gladly and painfully divorces Quark, but leaves him with a kiss. Back on DS9, Rom tells Quark he should tell the story again of his duel with Dagor, to which Quark laments that everyone in the bar is already tired of that story. However, Rom says that he personally wants to hear it, to which Quark begins his epic tale. And on the B-plot, we learn that Miles O'Brien is the best husband ever. The end. This is true. It's always been true. No, in this subplot, we learn that sadly Keiko's school has closed, as all the children, besides Nog and Jake, have left DS9 for fear of the Dominion. Miles tries his best to cheer up his wife, but to no avail. He convinces Sisko to let Kiko build an arboretum, but Bashir convinces O'Brien that that will only make Keiko happy for a short while while she is really depressed because she cannot pursue her career of botany science. O'Brien agrees, and he convinces Keiko to go on a three-month survey trip to Bajor with Molly, and O'Brien is still the best person ever. What do we think of this episode? Definitely very good. Um, quite a sort of step back in tone from the very dramatic yes. uh, two-part opening oh episodes. God, yes. um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, Everyone did a really good job. Yay, Armin Shimmerman as Quark again um and yay miles o'brien because he is the best (laughs) he does not deserve his suffering so peter what did you think of this episode i thought it was a lot of fun i I mean like once once again we got to see the ferengi way you know work everything out whether it be for better or for worse depending on who you're talking to depending on what episode it is but you know but you know and except except for Degore, this it was definitely a positive that, that it was definitely positive that the cork was like yeah i am literally all about money and profits so that's going to be the first thing i look at when you're telling me that you're when you tell me that that your family is losing money i want to know why because this is technically now my house and i need to know and i and i and i need profits i need cash <laughs> yeah i like that a lot I, I really enjoyed this episode quite a bit because it was a, a a dual comparison between klingons and ferengi and only a ferengi could discover something that a klingon could never because the klingon could never believe that another klingon could do something so dishonorable as try yeah. to steal money from someone but of course a ferengi goes well that's probably exactly what they're doing because that's what yeah. i would do yeah exactly uh which is i think very good and i, I liked how much this uh there's a great film called Harakiri uh, from 1962, which is fantastic. And it's all about this uh, guy whose uh, uh, son was killed by this sort of samurai code of honor. And he basically uses the same samurai code to, to torture and defeat his enemies uh, through like various forms of honor and tricking them and things like that and using the law against them. Yes. And, uh, so I, I enjoyed this awesome. episode for a very similar reason, because the way Quark used their own system of honor and discipline and and meaning he outsmarted them in a very interesting way which i, I appreciated he wasn't some as much as part of me wanted a bathleth deal wielding cork badass i knew that wasn't gonna happen <laughs> I liked he did a really good job got. of talking his way out of it oh that yeah that was exactly brilliant. it was actually a really good scene <laughs> exactly cork won exactly how cork should win which is yes. uh through manipulation and subterfuge mm-hmm uh first off did you guys enjoy the grilka uh quark relationship because i loved it i did as well i thought it was great i love the scene 
Um, right after, I think it's right after Quark has, you know, told her this is this is what this guy's been doing with the money, and it's bad. And uh, you know, it looks like they're kind of about to have a moment, and she says, "Because I like you, Quark, I'm going to let you take your hand off of my thigh instead of cutting <laughs> you into a thousand pieces." Oh yeah, that was such. <laughs> and then they all, they laugh about it really boisterously, and it's it's great. It's really good. <laughs> No, I, I I very much enjoyed him for that reason because they they did sort of kind of understand each other and a deep down, Pitt and and Quark is very good at being like, all right, well I'm on Kronos, so this is what we're gonna do, I guess. You know, this and is, she's like, this fuck is no. <laughs> <laughs> so I very much appreciated uh, the episode for yes. that reason. And one thing I really, really thought was interesting about this episode is it's written by uh, Ronald Moore again, and. Uh, Ronald Moore was kind of known as the uh, unofficial Klingon ep- expert on the show. Uh, he was one of those guys, much like Brian Fuller, who uh, created Star Trek Discovery. Uh, he sort of submitted fan scripts first and then got hired onto the full show later on. And he was sort of known as this nerd who knew everything about the Klingons. <laughs> because yes. this was back in the day before Memory Alpha and before Wikipedia and before there was a nerd database of these things. And the showrunners just kind of didn't know sometimes that certain things did or did not happen so it's uh ronald moore was kind of the guy that people would go to to be like uh do klingons do this <laughs> would a klingon do that and so you could definitely tell this is a ronald moore episode because it is so baked in klingon politics which i thought was so interesting i love that we got to see gowron again as well that was nice continuity oh yeah, definitely I agree. yes gowron who appeared in a, a wharf episode of tng where he first became chancellor yes yeah yeah uh against the was that the dura sister episode or is that just a different episode um uh, i think they may have been in that episode yeah yeah where everyone is vying became... for chancellor yeah yeah no i agree i like uh uh garon quite a lot uh the actor who plays him robert o'reilly i think is really really fun in that mm-hmm. role so what did you think just in general the klingon politics I liked how much of I liked how much of their government was 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 rooted in honor and like and, and just I mean I mean because like it's 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 the, it's the same it's the same for us where where you, where you know where you know like where where, where your rep, your reputation is 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 based, is based on your actions and your words but it, but it's but it's it's like it's like it's like they took that aspect of of, of humanity in like bumped it up five notches for the for the for the Klingon and they were like and, and they were like they thought okay well what, what 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 if honor meant this for them what if honor meant that for them and it's like and it, it was it was it was nice interpretation on you know kind of a spoken but also unspoken I guess you know quote unquote honor code yeah no I I, I totally agree I like that there was sort of this uh this consistency of their culture that they had to abide by and I appreciate that Quark never had sort of a a moment that he broke tradition or rules in any sort of way mm-hmm. that he very mm-hmm. much <clears throat> followed the code of law as much as a Ferengi can follow a code of law uh, <laughs> and I like the way that they both work together to basically divert uh, someone legally which I think is very interesting and makes for a more sort of yeah. compelling episode than just a let's fight <laughs> though it ends up in that mm-hmm. I mean it kind of ends up in that but it, but but then, but then but then but then court still brings it back to Actually, this is about politics, and that's exactly what I'm going to make it. I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to let you decor change that. No, absolutely, and uh, I think uh, 
I think this episode was just very interesting in the way that we kind of got a little bit of nice expansion into the Klingon homeworld, even though we've had a lot of good Klingon episodes in TNG because of Worf. Uh, it's nice to see that DS9 can have some as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think about uh, Rom and Quark's relationship in this episode? Because we had a nice nicer. little sweet moment at the end. Yeah, nicer than usual. Usually <laughs> yeah. it's just Quark being like, yeah, I'm going to cut your pay just cause I <laughs> because can. I can. Because I can. Yeah. But, but, well, that's but, how he starts. He starts by saying oh, he's going to pay him nothing. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. It definitely starts like that. But I, but I, 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 I appreciated that they that I appreciated that that they ended the episode, you know, with 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 with, with them having a moment where it's where it's like, yeah, Quark can be kind of an ass to Rom, but 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 you know, they but they they see they see each other every day like like there is a relationship there there is you know a friendship of sorts there so it does exist like like there like there like there like there is still there is still like a good level of admiration that Rom, that Rom still has for Quark and Quark appreciates that yeah no I I really appreciate this episode because it was uh, sort of about giving Rom a little bit of love for his brother which I thought was very sweet towards the end and giving Quark a lot more respect than just his sort of usual uh, <laughs> is sort of his usual uh, uh, conniving ways and that he could actually sort of respect his brother by the end I thought was a very nice touch that yeah. we don't usually mm-hmm. see from Quark so what do we uh, let's, let's move on to the uh, O'Brien's storyline. Yes. So we all agree I, that O'Brien is the best. <laughs> oh, you know, he's yes. always the best. I like that in this episode we got to see we, we we got we got we got to see when O'Brien was talking to Bash, to Bashir even though he even though Bashir at least from what we've seen seems to be like what we have seen seems to be a little hit or miss when a little a little hit or miss when he's talking with the ladies he was he was still perceptive of what was going on to it to, to a sense where he was like dude you're just putting a band-aid on you're just putting a band-aid on this a band-aid is not going to work you need to actually get in there and heal what's going on and he, yeah, and he was able, and he was able to convey that to o'brien being like mm-hmm. yeah her like you giving her this little space that's not gonna that's not gonna cut it well, Bashir actually was engaged at one point, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, that is so right. So presumably yeah, right. he's he's not a total failure at relationships. Yeah, that is true. I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me. No, this is very this is very true, and it, it gave a very good outsider perspective. And I liked Bashir in both this and the other episode. He had two very nice moments in both that sort of yeah. showed a, a more growing humanity from him. And I like where he said that it was like, well, you got yourself two months. <laughs> I was like, what? Yep. He's like, he's like, flowers get you a week. I forget. He's like, a vacation gets you a, like a month, a, a month, and uh, an arboretum gets you two, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I just liked when Keiko came home and O'Brien's like making dinner, so and she's like, "What's the occasion?" Oh, that was she's like, "Well, great. didn't you know?" It's uh, I'm married to the best woman in the world day or something. Oh, that's so adorable. It's just so fucking cute. And then we get the great oh. moment the next morning when he when when, when, she, when yeah. he, and it's like when it's like yeah, you've done good. 
you're good. <laughs> Getting it. And it's yeah, like, like for all the, for all, it was, it was like, it was like, it was like seeing a PG moment in a movie. Like all the kids are like, what are they talking about? And all the parents are just like, mm-hmm. That's basically <laughs> yeah. how it goes. That's basically how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. What was the line that she says? Yeah. She's like, uh, he's like, oh, I need to thank you for last night. And he's like, didn't you already thank me this morning? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I but... died when she, I, I died when that happened. I was like, oh God, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I uh I, I I gotta say I one thing I really appreciate about Star Trek is that for how much Star Trek gets the uh, vibe of being about nerdy things, it has way more sex than Star Wars ever's had. And it's something I very much appreciate about Star Trek, is that they sort of treat sex in a very That's adult true. way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's always very tasteful. They don't show like no. yeah. you know, the act itself, but you know, they show, you know, the the moments after it happens or leading up to it. Like, there is no right. question about what has just occurred. Right, right. And granted, sometimes you get uh, moments like, I am fully functional, which are yeah. <laughs> a bit intense. <laughs> but, uh, and then you start wondering, like, why did someone build a robot with a dick? <laughs> Such a guy. Yeah. Obviously, that's a guy. Only a guy would build a robot that could yep. have sex, you know? Dr. Soon. Uh, Dr. Soon, you silly uh, motherfucker. Hurry, old man. <laughs> <laughs> I will make a perfect robot with a perfect penis. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yes, anything else to talk about for House of Cork? I don't think so. I think we got everything. Okay. All right. Our next episode is Equilibrium. During a lovely DS9 dinner party, Jetsia, much to her surprise, begins to play an unknown tune on a piano, despite having no previous musical training in any of her lives. She also has a violent mood swings and later experiences a hallucination involving a masked man. Bashir discovers that Dax's levels of isobromine, a neurotransmitter that allows for the symbiotic meld between host and symbiote in trills, her levels are low. This concerns Bashir as Dax's fifth host, Torias Dax, died after a six-month coma wherein his isobromine levels dropped so low they had to kill Torias to save Dax and put it in Curzon. Bashir, Sisko, and Dax travel to the Trill homeworld to meet Dr. Renhall, the leader of the Trill Symbiosis Commission, who thinks Dax should recover just fine. Dax also visits the cave that houses the liquid chambers where the symbionts live. She meets Timur, a symbiote caretaker who helps Dezia to, to uncover more about her past. Dax experiences another vision, this time of the Trill Commission members dragging her away. Sisko and Bashir manage to find the tune stuck in Dezia's mind, and discover it is a piece written by the Trill composer Joran Bellar. When Dax sees a picture of Doran, she experiences a vision of the man in the mask killing a Trill doctor. Jadzia pulls off the damask to reveal Jaron, and she goes into shock. Dr. Belhor is concerned that Dax's isobromine levels are dangerously low and plans to remove Dax and find a new host if it gets worse. Sisko and Bashir go to Timur for help, but he seems scared of them now and refuses to help. This convinces the duo that something is being kept from them, so they investigate Juron's past. They discover his files have been purged from the Trill archives, but manage to track down his brother Yolande. Yolande reveals that Joran was chosen as a Trill initiative, but he was told by the commission that when Joran was rejected, his violent tendencies took over and he killed a Trill doctor 
and was shot to death when discovered. However, Yolan believes this is a lie, as Joran had called him before to say he had been joined successfully. Sisko and Bashir confront Dr. Belor that Torias's coma was a cover-up to hide the fact that they had successfully joined an unsuitable host with a symbiont. Dr. Belor reveals the truth, that after Joran managed to live months as an unsuitable joined trill, they redid their studies and discovered a horrible fact. More than half the trill population is capable of surviving joining. However, there are so few symbionts that there is no way they could join all the ones capable. The commission covered it up for fear that knowledge of this would change trill society, from where only the brightest and best become joined to one where only the most corrupt, rich, and powerful could get them. She relents that Jadzia could be saved if she embraces her buried Dax life with Jaron. Renal removes the memory blocks, and Dax goes to the symbiote home, where she meets a vision of Jaron and embraces his pain. Back on DS9, Dax seems healthy, but far more dark knowing she has to embrace a painful life she never knew she had before. What do we think of this episode? This was deep, and I'm wondering, like, okay, so in episodes one and two, we got some shit revealed to us about changelings and their deep, and their deep dark secret. This episode, we get this episode. We get some shit explained to us about uh, about, about about Dax and Symbionts and their deep dark secret. Is this going to be a trend for season three? <laughs> I hope so. It, I it, like deep dark secrets. Is this going to be the season where it's like okay, like you know, along along with the other stuff that we that we have set up in seasons one and two? Now we're just going to take what you know and just blow it up in your face and just see what happens because you're in for a shocker. This episode, this episode, this episode, this episode. Prepare yourselves. Yeah. Uh, seeing as how I just. I read just the synopsis of the next two episodes while it's getting rainy. I think that might be a trend. <laughs> we'll have to see Oof. if I'm right. But it mentioned two races, and I'm like, hmm. You're like, <laughs> okay. Some things. Yes. Uh, yeah, I love noble lies, and this was a giant noble <laughs> lie. A huge noble great. lie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but first up, Sarah, you're a big Trill fan. How'd you yes, feel we got to go to the Trill home world. I was so excited. Called Trill, but hey, Trill, whatever. Trill, yeah, <laughs> it's it's fine. <laughs> the caves had a cool name. I saw them on Memory Alpha. I'll pull it up while you talk. But what do you think, Sarah? Oh yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought it was cool that we got to see the sort of you know the the pools where the symbionts live until it's time uh, for them to be joined with a host. That was kind of a neat insider look that I wasn't expecting us to get. Yeah. And um, more great acting from Terry Farrell. She's wonderful. As always. Um, Yes, as always. Um, And uh, yeah, that's that's some really shady scientific practices that they were able to like suppress six months of this symbiont's memories or at least, you know, block them from the host. Like that's some high level neuro repression shit going on <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's a this is a very good episode and I, I really like uh sort of where it ended up i was kind of expecting that he mm-hmm. was like some sort of weird assassin guy um, that's what i thought yeah that that they just like we're gonna be like ah oh, we secretly have trail assassins like i didn't know why they needed 
joined people to kill people, but I figured maybe there's some reason for it. And so I thought mm. they were like, and that was going to be the real. They used up somebody as a born identity style assassin. But nope, he was just a crazy serial killer. <laughs> so, uh, but I enjoyed that a lot. And I think it was a very interesting, her whole thing about uh, the fact that it's half the population. That's a crazy mindfuck to, yeah. to be revealed that uh, if ever this came out, she made a good point that the, the symbiotes would no longer be about the people who earn them. It's about the people who had power or money or steal them or corrupt them or mm-hmm. and she's absolutely right anytime it's a scarce resource people want it typically involves crime uh yep and I mean, we so, can look at the prohibition era of the u.s and like and how much alcohol went down and all the shit that came from that yes so i don't sort of blame her for that i do wonder i guess maybe they i guess it shows how much they treasured the symbionts that they didn't just kill dax the symbiote you know to just erase it all together you know but uh mm-hmm. um it still is a very interesting that they go to such lengths to cover up something, but I kind of agree with them. I don't know where you guys land on that, but I kind of agree mm, with them. It's it's one of those political gray areas, you know, where it's like saying it's like communism is not what I mean at all, but just in terms of like it 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 might be a good thing in theory, but in practice, this would never work. Right. I mean, that's always the fear is that if the thing ever comes out. What are the ramifications of that? Yeah. Obviously. Because then you also just have the fact that you lied versus coming forward with new evidence, you know? Right. right. I mean, and, and, then, and, and, then there, and then there's also the risk that, you know, even after this, like, like if Cisco and Bashir were able to figure this out, there is a chance that someone else who is on, someone else who is from Trill could figure this out themselves and bust it all open to the population themselves. So it's like, so so it's like, there's a part of me that thinks that, you know, okay, yes, a potential tragedy on your planet with your people has been contained for now because thankfully, because thank, because good enough for, like, thankfully for you, Cisco does not care about that. He just wants his friend. Yeah. But down the line there's all like, like especially especially now that us viewers know that this is a thing down the line who's to say what could happen mm-hmm. no absolutely i think i i missed a step somewhere in the episode like i understand that Duran was you know in the academy you know hoping to be selected to be joined or whatever then he joined with dax but then was he found out later to be an unsuitable host or like yeah, where, where he was a killer he was a serial killer ah yes so he he killed that okay. doctor and i i think presumably other people and then they were I like think so. oh yeah a serial killer is definitely not suitable <laughs> like that like, is definitely yeah. not we can have joined. none of this yeah so when they were like how did a serial killer survive six months with a symbiote in him that's when i think presumably this new research came up that they they did and found out this this new theories that uh it's uh way more likely to be joined than we ever thought possible you know gotcha right i mean i mean because like because if if it is now if we now know that is that it is more likely to be joined with a trill than before then it's like well then what are exactly you know like, even 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 before a person is joined 
with a trill. What are the reasons why someone might be rejected? Are they just not smart enough? Are they not are, are, are they not willing enough? Does does does, who, does whoever is does whoever um is like mentoring them who whoever they whoever they they are shadowing do they simply not like them could it be personal so it's I like think, i think so because i mean you know jedzia famously got rejected by curzon and then felt that she got a unfair shake from him and convinced the commission to let her back in you know so i do think it is even if people don't realize it outside of the council it is like a uh a uh a situation where you're more testing your abilities like um it's like the episode of next gen with wesley where he thinks that there's a accident happening and uh he has to like choose who to save in a no-win scenario and then they reveal that that's Mm -hmm. actually part of the academy test you know i think it's a Mm -hmm. similar situation where they're like you know tell us about their personality too but it's really the personality and the mental tests that matter not so much the actual physical tests don't really matter anymore it's all just show to pretend like it's still trying to find if you're the one in 1000 yeah i i know we're probably not going to get it but i would really love a trill origin story like how did the first symbiosis Mm. occur i guess true yeah yeah how did that even start i don't know there's just these you know little dudes swimming around in a pool and then i don't know did they like bite one of the hosts or in infect sounds bad because that's not what they do but like get inside them so like how did they start communicating to be like hey put us in your bodies and this joining will be good for both of us like i I just wonder how they communicated that sort of thing weird Uh, you know biology of alien races that i'm curious about uh, i'm just reading from memory alpha right now so in the series okay. Bible for Star Trek Deep Space Nine, it was said that the underground trill on the planet's surface many centuries ago were where the trill symbionts and humanoids lived respectively. It was also stated that an environmental disaster led the two species to begin integrating with each other to save both. So, Well, that's very yes. nonspecific. Yeah. yeah. I may have to just, oh, well. ju- just just enough for just enough for you to be like kind of satisfied with that answer, but not enough where it's like okay, now I know what happened. Now it's just like, eh. I I, yeah. I, feel, I feel like I well, feel that, like that, I read that this that more enough. tells about the when, not the how. how. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it was like it, it was it was like reading the back cover of a, of a book that of, of a book that you will never actually read to like get a hint of what's gonna happen. I guess this is something like how we domesticated wolves you know like the, the yeah <laughs> sort of become part of us and then we were like get in my belly literally sorry yeah that's a bad joke yeah. uh right <laughs> so uh what did y'all think of um julian and dax's scenes in this we got a couple really nice sort of intimate scenes with julian and Dex. I really liked the scene where she like came to his quarters and was like, I can't sleep. Can I stay? Or she so didn't nice. say, can I stay here? But then he invited her very non-sexually, you know, do you want to stay here tonight? And she said, you know, just, it was, it was really sweet. Yeah. It was nice to see them interacting in a friendly way where he's not hitting on her yes. because I feel like that is 90% of their interactions. It's good to see that he's not, you know, he, he didn't, it didn't even seem to occur to him to, you know, try to take advantage of the situation because she's, you know, emotionally stressed or whatever. He's just like, 
let me make you comfy. You know, what bunk do you want? Is this light too bright? Like yeah. it, was, it was just really yeah. cute. It, it was good. It was good to it was good to see a moment where where Bashir, like he saw like he saw what was happening, judged the situation, was like, okay, this is literally not the time for that because we're trying to save you. We're not like like I I I'm not here for what I usually do. I'm here to give you a cup of hot tea and make sure that you're warm and fuzzy, make it warm and comfy. Mm. And I think this is more, um, I, I spoke at the end of last season, I, I had said that Bashir was, you know, my MVP from the main cast because I felt like I had really seen some character growth from him. He just wasn't just, you know, the, the naive playboy from season one. Now he's, you know, actually, you know, trying to be a genuine friend and a good person. And, you know, it's, you know, evidence of character growth that has occurred, which is good writing. Yes. And he had Agreed. a really nice uh, anecdote about doctors, which I appreciated, where he said he used to be afraid yes. of doctors as well when he was a kid, but then realized that doctors are there to help people, that they're not there to, mm-hmm. to hurt people. Though, obviously, this is an episode that kind of challenges that. <laughs> but, uh, a little yeah. bit. A little but bit. In, in a sense, also still help people in a weird way, I guess, in a weird, convoluted, sure. confusing way. But yes, I, I really appreciated their situation, like you said, because it was platonic and because I think... You just got very nice sequences with uh, very good acting from the two where you really do feel that Terry Fellow is doing a great job portraying Dax's fear of the situation and her mm-hmm. obvious bad memories of the Trill Commission and all of her sort of longing for that as well as her sort of repressed memories and things like that. One thing I wanted to yeah. note that's interesting is that the person who played Juron is, uh, his name is, I have it written down. Jeff Magnus McBride, who's actually a very famous uh, magician, which I really yes, and I think they did that because he does cool. those cool like mask transitions, which I think are practical. Oh, he does these okay. cool things nice. where he's taking off masks and it doesn't look like he's even grabbing them. It's like they're just kind of coming off his face, right? Um, and I think he also has very specific like posture and mime work, so that'd be my guess is why they they picked him because he doesn't really act. I think well, I'm going cool. just a magician. Well, well, I'm, well, I'm going to use his background as a, as, as a magician to explain, like, like one of the one of the final scenes when 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 uh, when um when 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 when, J- when Jadzia went to the caves. By by by, by the way, Ben, um, the uh, like where where the where the breeding pools were for the, for the for the symbionts, it's called it's called the caves of of Makala. Yeah, yeah, that, that's name. that's where they were yeah. called. Yeah, that's better than Trill. Yeah, that, 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 yeah. Yes. Very cool name. I agree. Um, but I, I'm I'm going to use his background as a magician to to to, ex, to explain why when Jet when Jatsy went down to the caves, he just like rose up out of the water <laughs> like, hello, yeah. like so smooth, <laughs> like I, 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 like so smooth, just like just rises up like barely a ripple. And it's just there, hair like slicked back, perfect. Like yeah, like hello, you know who I am. And it's like how'd you do that? That was really cool. That was it was cool. so cool, but it was just like I was not I was not fully expecting him to just just be like, vroom, I am here now. Some, somehow he didn't even look wet. It was weird. Like I looked at yeah, his hair exactly. and he didn't look wet. Yeah, it's really bizarre. I don't know how he did that. <laughs> maybe it was like a maybe it was like a like a, re- a really quick clever a really a really clever quick cut where he was where they were like okay say all of your lines cool and then we want you to just very slowly dip back into the water and we'll make it work yeah i could see that actually that's my guess that would actually make more sense 
Hmm. I'm you got you got me curious now. I got to rewatch that scene. Right? Yeah. Because <laughs> he doesn't yeah. look wet, and it's weird. <laughs> like yeah. his hair is not wet, and it's bizarre. Like, yeah, it's like it's like now we need to go back and watch and watch like like the, like those five seconds like frame by frame. <laughs> I will. Damn it. <laughs> I I expect to report the next episode. Next episode we record. Oh, <laughs> so what what do y'all think this means for Dax in the future? How do you think she's going to cope with this sort of new buried life? Well, it'll be really interesting if, you know, a few episodes down the line, uh, like what if she started to to demonstrate some like murderous tendencies? I feel like that's built in now that if they ever want to do a, yeah. a Dex might be scary episode, <laughs> you know, that they have an mm-hmm. easy sort of in. So I wonder that too, Sarah. Yeah, like I go, I go, I go, going back, going back to the episode from season two, Blood Oath. Now, now, now that they've done that episode, and now that they've done Equilibrium, now, now they can go back to Blood Oath and be like, "Hey, so um, remember that episode where she almost killed someone? Yeah, now that is totally possible. Now it is totally within her means and her willpower to just be like, you know what, shank." Yeah, this is true. This is true. It should be if interesting. it is well, anything else. If it's necessary, or maybe not. We'll, we'll see. Who knows? She might just murder a fool. <laughs> <laughs> she don't take no sass. She really doesn't. Is there anything else to say for equilibrium? She provides the sass. She does provide all the sass. There was one one frame. I don't remember exactly what was going on. I think she had just come back to the the runabout or whatever from Trill and she's like, come on guys, let's go hiking. And they're like, no, go get some sleep. And finally she goes. And then she just turns and gives them this look. And it was just like the sassiest look she has ever given on this show. <laughs> she's like, I'm just like, I'm gonna do it, but I'm not gonna enjoy it. <laughs> it was it was great. It was beautiful. One minor side thing I just very much enjoyed was there's a very cute moment with Odo where he's stirring in this very weird <laughs> yes! robotic way. And I was so happy yes. that Kira just looked at him, he's like, What? And she's like, You're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> He gets that look on his face of really. Like, I, like I was, like I was wondering, I was, because I, I was like, are you gonna say childlike? Are you gonna say adorable? Are you gonna say cute? Because he clearly is like not adept at all in cooking, yeah. or or much less stirring. So I was like, yeah. what is she gonna, what is she gonna say? Because <laughs> he looks so focused too. It's very adorable. It's like I can yeah. do this. <laughs> it's like me in a kitchen, to be honest. <laughs> also, another. Uh, by the way, this is our fiftieth episode. Really? Oh my god! Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Made it to episode fifty. Yes. Also, I want to say that uh, another example of me wanting to eat food on the show because uh, uh, Cisco apparently his dad was a New Orleans cook and it looked good. <laughs> oh <my laughs> Shit looked yeah, good. the second he said the second he said New Orleans, I was just like, oh lord, like I, oh, I, I, no. I, I, now, <laughs> now I'm hungry. When he started talking about jambalaya at the end of season two, I was like, "That sounds really yeah, tasty. right, yeah." And, and and like and like for this episode, it didn't help that he said that he, that he said his dad that he said his dad had a restaurant or whatever. It was like a, like a cook in New Orleans because it's like because for me it's like I've never been to New Orleans. Like I, I've like I've mm. I've driven through it on, on like on, on like on like two or three road trips, but I've never actually been to New Orleans. And it's like me neither. And it's like. You guys, you t- you're talking you about food. I need to go, and there are like certain points in the year that I want to go for various yes. reasons. Well, you need to. I'm gonna take y'all to New Orleans one day. <laughs> That's gonna happen. Yes. That's gonna Geek happen. Space Nine road trip. We're doing. That. Yes. We're gonna do that. <laughs> that is gonna happen. 
All right, anything else to say for Equilibrium? Yay, trails. Trails are cool. All right, that has been our episode. Next week, we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 5, and Episode 6, which is Second Skin and The Abandoned. As always, I want to thank my lovely co-host for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meatshield. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like this show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It does help us find new listeners. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace 9, signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. makes it it makes it all the more painful though all the more painful oh wow did we just lose ben i yeah we did like in trying (laughs) in trying to catch his mic he He just finished that long summary oh were you recording are we still recording yes Yes. we're still recording okay uh, okay perfectly dropped my mic he just finished reading I perfectly dropped my mic. He just finished reading that long summary. Perfectly dropped it right on my power button. So I not only dropped my mic, no! it turned oh, the computer off. So I put it to sleep. So You can't screw Oops. that. Oops, my bad. <laughs> All right, let's go back into it. Wow, that's crazy.